Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk about music at Disney. When you think about going into Disney World or Disneyland, one of the things you notice is there's music everywhere. It sets the scene, it sets the tone. It's very much like Walt Disney had in mind, where you're on a movie set and you're there and you're immersed in the storyline because the music is helping set the tone for what it is. It's got the right sort of feeling for wherever you are in the park. And then, of course, you go into an attraction, and the attraction typically has a song that goes along with it that really sells what the attraction's all about. And it's always neat to hear those and sort of put in perspective that someone had to compose it, someone had to write it, someone had to record it to make it part of the show. And it really had to capture the spirit of whatever that was. So I wanted to talk for a couple of minutes today about a couple of composers that did a lot of work for Disney and who they were and what they did. Because you hear their music, but you don't necessarily know who they are. Now you could rightfully argue that everyone knows who the Sherman brothers are. Richard and Robert Sherman were the two people who probably were the most close to Walt Disney and are the most well-known. They produce so much content. They have so many things that they put out there. They wrote pretty much every catchy tune that you hear, for the most part. The ones that are the little song pieces where there's a catchy tune, almost all of those are theirs. So when you think about It's a Small World, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, just those kinds of things stick in your head and you realize, oh yeah, they're really interesting. That Those are songs that I know. They wound up being on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I believe they won many awards and accolades along the way, from an Academy Award to a Grammy Award to really about everything. They were nominated for almost every different type of award there is. It's amazing what they were able to do. And when you listen to their music, you, you get it because they really understood something. They had this great camaraderie and teamwork where they were able to create, create these songs that really were catchy and memorable. But there are many other people who contributed to the Disney lore and have some credit to their name. And I want to talk about two of them specifically. The first one is Buddy Baker. Buddy Baker was working on Bob Hope's radio show. He was the musical, in-house musical person that worked with the Bob Hope show. And somewhere later in the 1950s or so, he started teaching at the LA City College. And someone asked him, a student, if he'd be interested in doing some other work. And he was. And so he wound up working on a number of different Disney projects, including the Davy Crockett series, Donald Duck and Math Magic Land. Uh, he worked on the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But his work is absolutely recognizable in the theme parks as well. When you went into If You Had Wings, the If You Had Wings song, that catchy tune, he scored it and he recorded it. If you had wings, you could do many things. You could widen your world if you had wings. If you had wings, had wings, had wings, 
could fly to a plaza where the people play at a Mexican fiesta in that land of Ole. If you had wings, if you had wings, if you had wings, had wings, had wings, had wings. And then he also worked on in the France Pavilion at Epcot, Impression de France. You hear his music. Well, it's actually not his music. He artfully brought together music from other uh, composers. But uh, the work itself is not his. This is all classical music scores by the likes of Camille Saint-Saëns, Claude Debussy, and Eric Satie, among many others. But he wove them together into a cohesive sort of medley so that you could feel it when you're watching the film of France and seeing the France vistas. The music kind of tells the story. So it was really kind of interesting that he was able to do that. Another thing he was involved in was the universe of energy. But all of that said, by far and away, the thing he'll most be remembered for is the Haunted Mansion. Yep. Buddy Baker was assigned the task of finding a way to bring the Haunted Mansion to life. And yes, I said Haunted Mansion to life. I think that's kind of funny. It's one of those clever things where that musical score really does speak to the nature of it. He had to get extremely creative when he started thinking about how to create a score for this. And one of the things he did was to record some of his music forward, put it on a tape machine, and play it backward. And that way it has sort of an eerie, synthetic feel to it, so that it feels like it's otherworldly in a way. So when you take these wind instruments especially, and you play the music on them, and then you play it backwards, you get this cool effect that sounds like it, you know it's like breathing in instead of breathing out so it has a completely different sound to it it was genius of him to think of this and i think he worked with a couple of imagineers to come up with the right way to record it but it was really really cool that he came up with this idea for how to make something that was otherworldly Thank <laughs> you. 
And of course, Grim Grinning Ghosts, that's all him. When the crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake, happy haunts materialize, and begin to vocalize. Grim Grinning Ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim Grinning Ghosts come out to socialize. As the moon climbs high o'er the dead oak tree. Spooks arrive right for the midnight tree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes. Start to shriek and harmonize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell. Trickles came where spirits swell. Restless bones etherialize. Lies as spooks of every size. <laughs> That's one of the coolest, you know, most memorable songs when you think about it. And it's just, it's such, such a great song. But Buddy Baker figured it out and he had this, this amazing style to him. So Baker was named a Disney legend in 1998 because of his contributions to the Disney company. And I think it's well-deserved. And the next time you go through the Haunted Mansion, think of Buddy Baker. The second person I wanted to talk about is George Bruns. George Bruns was a composer who mainly worked in film. So he's known for a number of Disney films, The Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, The Absent-Minded Professor, The Jungle Book, Love Bug, Robin Hood, and others. In this case, he had two attractions that he worked on that are totally memorable. The first was to work on the Country Bear Jamboree and put together some of the songs that exist in the country music spectrum. And then to modify a few of them to fit the needs of Disney, and then finally, to write the Country Bear Jamboree Overture that you hear. That's him. He wrote that. The bear band bears will play now in the good old key of G. Zeke and Zem, Ted, friend of our name, Tennessee. Zeke's twanging on banjo and a tapping with his feet. A banging on a dish pine with a real old country beat. Zem is sawing on the fiddle with a crooked hickory bow. When the spirit moves that groove, he can make that fiddle go. He also plays the washboard with the handle of a hole. And Big Fred's playing mild pop, he plays it kind of sad. He never took a lesson, he just picked it up from Dad. And little old Tennessee Bear is a featured on the thing. Sounds just like a guitar, but it's only got one string. and stomp your feet and try to keep right with them. One short thing the bear band's got is real old country rhythm. Yeah, clap your hands and stomp your feet and try to keep right with them. One short thing the bear band's got is real old country rhythm. So it's kind of neat, you know, so the, the country bear jamboree 
kind of comes together. It's a celebration of country music to a point where it's got some real world songs that are in there. And then it's got some songs that he's written or rewritten and then his own composition. So when you see the Country Bear Jamboree next time, you should think of George Bruns. Now, George Bruns is also famous for one other attraction at Disney. And this was one where he worked with Imagineer Exitensio pretty extensively. Exitensio was the guy who was making the Pirates of the Caribbean. And between he and George Bruns, they came up with a ballad that they wanted to play for the Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's talk about who the pirates are and what they do. And they came up with this idea for the, uh, the Pirates theme song. So while George Bruns was writing all of the other music in the Pirates Cove and all the other musical scores that went through the original attraction, he and Exitensio sat down and started thinking about what was the catchy tune that would be the memorable piece, the takeaway that you would walk, uh, walk away from the attraction with. And you would think, oh, that, that really screams Pirates of the Caribbean to me. And what they came up with was, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. They were sitting there and they were kind of laughing about it and they thought it was great because it told the story of the pirates in kind of a funny way and they weren't sure how it was going to work. So they actually recorded a version of it with Exitensio um, and uh, George Bruns playing the music and singing the song and they pitched it to Walt Disney so he could hear what it sounded like. Walt was enthusiastic. He wanted a different tone to it. As you hear in this song, it was a little bit different. It was a little more jaunty. So he wanted a little different tone to it. And so they changed it a little bit, but the song itself remains the same. I just thought that was really neat. The way these songs come together and the way musical scores play out. And sometimes just knowing the names behind it and realizing that there was somebody who sat down, thought this through and composed it is really fascinating. So hopefully that gave you a little taste of what the musical scores are like and just who the people were behind them. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. 
For my One Little Spark segment today, I wanted to remind you to always be conscientious of what you hear, what you consume in your brain. The things that you listen to, the things that you, you hear, the things that you see. You know, social media goes rampant. The, the media itself goes rampant. And people blame one side or the other and say things about whatever's going on. But what happens is we get these wild-eyed conspiracy theories that in other circumstances, in other times, they may have come off as tinfoil hat-wearing people going, you're crazy, right? We may have said that about them. But in today's society, they have a forum and they're able to get people out there and, and listening to them. So for example, before all the pandemic, in the before time, we had this thing about uh, Blue Lives Matter and this fact that some people wanted to say defund the police. And you know, it's propagated and it's continued on for a long time. The reality is, you know, it's somewhere in between. There's, it's not that, while the, the message gets out from one side to say defund the police and the other side says support the police, the, the, the clear part that everyone misses is the fact that police were in a routinely intimidating people in certain, in certain situations and the police have armed themselves as a military, paramilitary unit. Isn't the police business supposed to be to protect and serve? Isn't that the whole point there? So if we're changing that paradigm, then of course we're gonna create divisions, right? That's it's, it, because we've, we've decided that somehow we have to defund the police so there'll be no more police, is that the point? And oh, we need to just protect the police and let them do whatever. Is that because we're being racist in some way? I don't know, but it just, the messaging gets so convoluted and confused. Take the pandemic itself. People wanted to, in quotes, do their own research to understand the pandemic in some way. And it, 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 the, the scientists were telling you what was going on. Look, I did a very quick back of the envelope calculation. If I looked at how the virus was spreading and they were saying, you know, it was about a 20% transmission rate. So in our 330 million people, 20% of it would get it. If you think about the death rate was about 2% of the people who were infected, which is kind of high for an infectious disease. That would mean that about 1.3 million in the United States would die as a result of the pandemic, you know, being infected with COVID. For what it's worth, we passed the 1 million mark a little while ago. So we're on that track. The virus hasn't abated. Yes, it's certainly toned down, but people are still getting infected. People are still being hospitalized, maybe at a lower rate, but we decided that we weren't gonna take it seriously and we weren't gonna do these things. And yet here more people have died from the pandemic than have died in all the wars that we've been engaged in throughout history, including the Civil War where many thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people died. It's amazing to me. And yet we kind of just look at it like, yeah, 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 we're still divisive about that particular topic. You hear about other things that happen. Recently, there was a story about uh, baby formula and there was somebody who posited that the reason that there's a shortage of baby formula is because migrants are hoarding it. And you have to stop and think about that for just a second and go, wait a minute, how are migrants hoarding baby formula? What are they doing to hoard that baby formula? What, what's going on there? It, it kind of makes no sense. First of all, they're migrants. They have very little money as they travel into the country. So how would they purchase it? Or maybe they're stealing it. I, I really don't know. But the logic test, sometimes when you hear things, you just have to think about it and go, how does this make sense? What's their purpose? What's their aim? And someone will tell you what their purpose is to disrupt American way of life or something, right? What does that mean? How would that actually happen? And this goes back to the culture war and children, all that stuff. But it's just, it's that reality. You really have to think carefully about what you're hearing. You know, really listen to the words. 
and then try and understand what's, what's going on there. It's just, it's crazy. And then uh, recently there was that uh, shooting in Buffalo where the person clearly in a racially motivated way killed people because of the color of their skin. And there's a supporting set of evidence that suggests that the reason he did that was because of this conspiracy theory that's been spun that somehow there's a cancel culture happening and a replacement culture. And I don't even understand it, to be honest with you, but it fails the logic test. This is about equality. This is about giving people the same thing that everyone else has, right? It's, it's about making sure that everyone's treated fairly. This isn't about replacing anything, but yet some kid gets it in his head because he watched too much something on the internet, at home, whatever, and wound up killing people. It's awful. It's just awful. And that's what lack of understanding of what's happening really gets to you. Social media is a great thing because it allows you to interact, but it has a very dark downside that because anyone can say anything they want and get things started and propagate some sort of myth or random item, it just goes out of control from there. It just, it seems so ridiculous to me, and yet people just consume it and don't think twice about it. Just, you know, because it lines up with a point of view that they have or something the news media is reinforcing in some way. It's sad and it's terrible, but I would like to encourage you, dear listener, to just pay attention to what you hear and think critically about what you hear and say, does that make sense? That's it. What's the root cause of this? Where does this come from? If there's one thing that I hope I've encouraged you to do throughout this podcast, even when it comes to Disney, forgetting about my one little spark segment for a moment, I hope I've encouraged you to think a little differently about the world. You know, Disney became Disney because of things that they did. Nobody knows those things. Nobody pays attention to that. Nobody cares, really. But yet there's a story there. And we should pay attention to it because it's important. And when the legislature decided to remove the Reedy Creek Improvement District, there's, that story came to the forefront. But before that, did anybody know or care? No, but there was a rationale for it and there was a reason for it. And if you think critically about how it became to, came to be, you understand it differently. So that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 